She's been to not one, not two, but four Olympic Games, and she's now entered her fifth and final, a vow she made to herself after a challenging delivery in 2018. Her name, Allison Felix, an Olympian, a believer. Allison Felix broke onto the Olympic scene way back in 2004, a track star. Since then, she's won nine medals in various running events and is hoping to win her 10th and maybe more this year in Tokyo. Number 10 would tie Carl Lewis for the most in Olympic history in track and field. It almost didn't happen. 2018 saw her face an emergency C-section and a long recovery. She didn't know if she'd ever compete again. She learned to put her trust in the Lord. So much struggle, so much to overcome. The Lord was with her and us in the struggle, and he'll use her and our triumphs for his glory, too. Welcome to Haven Today. I'm Charles Morris, sharing the great story that's all about Jesus as we continue in a series this week called In His Image. As we watch athletes from around the world compete in various events at the Olympics, one thing should be very clear. Humans are wonderfully made. Philosophers for years have pondered what makes people so special. Is it our minds, our ability to communicate, or how about the way we build things? Well, that's some of it, but the Bible simply explains it's because we were made in the image of God. Well, today we're going to look at that wonderful yet tragic reality of what this means for us. People were made good in God's image, but everyone has gone astray, each one to his own way. And that tragic truth wrecks havoc in our lives every day. But there is hope in the God-man, Jesus Christ. He was the image of the invisible God when he came to this world. And he can remake us into his image as well. So, please stay with me as we ponder the Imago Deo. That's Latin for the image of God. After the program, I want to send you the new documentary called In His Image delighting in God's plan for gender and sexuality. It was made to help Christians better understand what it means to be made in God's image. And it directly deals with questions about sexuality and gender from a biblical perspective. Packed full of Christian scholars and thinkers who keenly point us to God's thoughts, it's also filled with testimonies of people who have struggled with these issues. Hi, I'm Walt Heyer. I started my transgender journey when I was four years old. I struggled with my identity all the way through my life, and I eventually underwent gender reassignment surgery, lived eight years as Laura Jensen, until I found the Lord Jesus Christ, who redeemed and restored my life so that I could give my testimony today. There are many more stories like Walt's on this double-disc DVD. I'd like to send it to you after the program for your gift to the ministry. And I know this documentary will give you hope that God is working to redeem many who are confused today and calling them to find their identity in Christ alone. Would you call us after the program? And the number to call is 800-654-2836, 800-65-HAVEN. Or visit our website. Check out the trailer we have there for In His Image, and then you can make your gift and ask for the double DVD at haventoday.org, haventoday.org. 
And now let's go back as we open the program to a song from the past, a song sung for us by Steve Green. In the garden when we fell, you were there covering our shame. You were there in the desert wandering manna fell, Emmanuel, oh God. When we fell, you were there The thread of scarlet Woven in time for our redemption The son of David died That we might live Hit our face. Why have you forsaken me? Was his cry before he died? Were you there? Can you see the thread of scarlet woven in time? song is called Thread of Scarlet by Steve Green, opening this haven today. I'm Charles Morris. The program is called In His Image. The great philosopher and theologian C.S. Lewis once said, there are no ordinary people. The dullest, most uninteresting person you might speak to today, he said, may one day be a creature which, if you saw it now, you would be strongly tempted to worship or else a horror and a corruption such as you now meet, if at all, only in a nightmare. His point was, 
that every person who's ever existed will spend eternity either in glory with the Lord or in misery. This everlasting potential means that no one you meet is ordinary. Lewis went on, You have never talked to a mere mortal. Nations, cultures, arts, civilizations, these are mortal. But it is immortals whom we joke with, we work with, marry, snub, and exploit. Immortal horrors or everlasting splendors. I think he's right. Every single person you meet or see today is not just a mortal passing time. And to take this point further, every single person you see today is made in God's image. And that's why they aren't ordinary. They reflect the Lord. To be in his image is a profound and exciting reality, but it also can be a tragic reality. Genesis 1 and 2 paints a remarkable picture of what it was like in the very beginning. The Lord with his creation his creation responding to him in joy. Adam and Eve enjoying the world the Lord had made for them, naked and unashamed as Genesis 2.25 puts it. But it came crashing down. Genesis 3 tells us the tragic story of the world gone wrong, how the Lord's image bearers rebelled against him and plunged everything into chaos. Well, before diving into a discussion of how we see sin's devastating effects in the world today, especially as they relate to human sexuality, we need to reflect on the story and see how it all happened. And it began with a play on words. Adam and Eve were both naked and unashamed. The serpent was more wise than any of the animals. The end of Genesis 2 and the beginning of Genesis 3 don't seem to be related That is, until you start to look at the Hebrew it was written in. The word for naked used here sounds almost exactly like the word for wise. Arumim, arum. If we wanted to bring this out a little more in English, we would say something like this. Adam and his wife were both nude and unashamed. The serpent was more shrewd than any of the animals that the Lord God made. The play on words is not just clever. It is a way to show us that the story of the first sin, we call it the fall, was more than just a mistake or a momentary lapse in judgment. The fall was about allegiance. It was Adam and Eve joining Satan in rebellion. The word play is a hint of what's coming. And as the rest of the story plays out, that is exactly what happened. The serpent came to the woman and began sowing the seeds of doubt trying to win her over to his side. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? And the woman, Eve, said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. And then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. 
So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. What a tragic story. Human beings, made in the image of the Lord, aligning themselves with his enemy and plunging themselves in the world into disarray. They were naked and unashamed. Now they were naked and full of shame, guilt, and fear. But how did it happen? Three words, lie, refusal, indulgence. It began with a lie. The serpent promising Adam and Eve that they would not surely die if they disobeyed the Lord, even though the Lord promised death for anyone who ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And how often does sin lie to us like that even today, trying to drive a wedge between what we know is true and what it wants us to do? But it wasn't just a lie. It was also a refusal. Adam and Eve refused to resist the serpent. They had been placed in the garden to take of it. They should have run the serpent off. They shouldn't have listened to anything he had to say to them, but they refused that calling. It's a word for us, too. When sin comes knocking on our doors, lying to us about the good things we'll enjoy if we just give in, we can't engage with it. We must resist it, turn it back, and refuse it. Just as Jesus did in the wilderness when he was tempted by Satan. He didn't let Satan lie to him, and he refused his lies at every turn. But Adam and Eve, the first Adam, and his wife gave in to the lies, and it led to indulgence. Did you hear how the fruit was described? Pleasant to the eye, good for food, desirable to make one wise. Sin and Satan don't use unappealing bait. They want you to give in. The sin will be desirable, even attractive. It will appeal to your innate desires. In the case of Adam and Eve, it was a desire to be like God. They were created in his image, after all. It wasn't wrong to want to image him. Satan knew that, and he seized on that desire, but redirected to something it was never meant to be. It was distorted through sin, and they ate the forbidden fruit. They didn't just want to reflect him or glorify him anymore. They wanted to be him, to be God. So they pledged allegiance to the serpent, and they took and they ate, and it became a tragedy. And this tragedy has had devastating effects throughout history, especially as it relates to sexuality. Marriage was free and beautiful before the fall. And now some husbands abuse their wives physically, sexually, emotionally, spiritually. Some wives manipulate and abuse their husbands as well. Sex was a holy and beautiful thing. Now it's a commodity. Pornography generates more money annually than the four major sports in the United States combined. A twisted distortion of the Lord's image and a perversion of the good desires we all have for intimacy. Same-sex attraction comes out of this stream, too. Adam and Eve wanted to be like God, and this desire didn't leave after they fell. The Lord restored them to himself, but things had changed. They weren't able to satisfy that desire any longer, not the way it was intended. Our brothers and sisters who are same-sex attracted also have desires for intimacy and closeness that they have to live with. And the tragedy of the fall is that these desires have become distorted. 
they're unable to satisfy them. I'm happy to say that many have found satisfaction in Christ alone for their salvation, even though those attractions haven't changed, and some have even found their desires changed as well. Just like I have distorted desires as a result of a sinful nature that I have to live with, and you have to live with, but there is hope. And the hope is not in mustering up enough strength to stop sinning or to change my desires so they're only good all the time. That's impossible. Sin remains with us even now, no matter how close we are to the Lord. But our hope isn't found in our ability to be perfect. It's found in the Christ who stood perfect for us and who stands perfect for us as our advocate before our Heavenly Father. His perfect life and death ensure that our record of sin and our ongoing struggles will not define us. His resurrection declares that the end of sin is coming. That's our hope. And we cling to him in the midst of the struggle. We can know that he is good, that he hears us and he cares for us. He loves us no matter where we are or what we struggle with. He is here and he is faithful. Would you join me in prayer right now? Lord, as we bow our knees, some of us figuratively, we think back to Genesis 1 and Genesis 2 and Genesis 3. We can reflect on being made in the image of God. We can reflect on the fall and how sin came into this world in the very first place. But we can also think about how we are delivered from sin when we come to Jesus Christ, when we meet him at his cross, and we fall on our knees there and say, Lord, forgive me. I'm a sinner. Give me new life. Give me a new heart. May I follow you with all my life into glory, into eternity. This is what we need to hear more and more. This is what a very dark and dying world needs to hear today. This is what our culture needs the most. Lord, lead us to Christ so that we may lead others to Christ. And we pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen.
He's always been faithful, Sarah Groves here on Haven Today. The subject of human sexuality and gender is all around us today. Even in the church, there are some who are confused. Did God create same-sex attraction? Are there really only two genders? What does God think about these great changes and challenges These are just some of the questions that M.D. Perkins, one of the producers of the new documentary, In His Image, wanted to answer. Well, In His Image is about delighting in God's plan for gender and sexuality, as we mentioned there in the subtitle for the documentary. And so the big picture is we want to know where we've come from as a culture, where we are, but we want to go back to the basics. We want to see, well, what was God's intention for our gender and sexuality? What was God's intention when he, when he said he created us male and female after his own image? What is that maleness and femaleness intended to communicate and express? What is that? Is that innate? Why, why does that matter for us as, as individual people? And why has that mattered for us, you know, for centuries? And why is it now being undermined overall in the in these cultural arenas and then to start to try and bring the word of God to bear on some of these specific questions regarding regarding the thought of orientation sexual orientation regarding the thought of transgenderism and also bringing with that um, testimonies of people who've been transformed radically transformed by the grace of God that interceded on their behalf, that came in and and gave them a new sense of identity and purpose of what it meant to even be a human being and what it meant to be a, a man or a woman and the, the, the transformative grace of God at work in the souls of people. And that's, we wanted to give that, that full picture. You know, as a church, we've kind of lost our way in this. And we're, there's a lot of confusion and a lot of uncertainty and a lot of just wishy-washy, vague answers to questions. Let's get down and figure out what did God really say? And then what can we, what can we do with that information? How do we apply that then to our everyday lives? That's M.D. Perkins talking about his new film called In His Image, Delighting in God's Plan for Gender and Sexuality. I'm thankful for the way this documentary explores the subject compassionately and also biblically on what it means to be made in God's image. But even more, it points to the hope we can all find in Jesus Christ, even those struggling with same-sex attraction or gender dysphoria. I know this double DVD set will help you better understand this topic and give you hope that God is working to redeem many who are confused today and calling them to find their identity in Jesus Christ alone. Call us right now, would you? And ask for the double DVD set of In His Image. And for your gift to the ministry, we'll send it to you right away. Our number to call is 800 654 2836. 800 65 Haven. Or 
take it a little longer, head over to our website. Look at the long trailer that we have there for In His Image, and then you can make your gift and ask for the double DVD at haventoday.org. Haventoday.org. I'm Charles Morris. Thanks for joining me. Won't you come back again tomorrow when again we get to share together the great story. It's all about Jesus here on Haven Today. For your encouragement and your walk with Jesus, I'm Charles Morris with Haven Ministries, inviting you to anchor your day in God's Word. It's one of the most tragic stories in the Old Testament. 1 Samuel 4 is full of bad news. The Israelites were defeated by the Philistines. The priests are killed, and the Ark of God is captured by pagan Gentiles. This leads to one of the most depressing names in the Bible, a baby boy born on this terrible day and named Ichabod by his dying mother. She said the glory has departed from Israel, for the ark of God has been captured. But this was not the end of the Bible's story. One day, hundreds of years later, another baby was born, Emmanuel, God with us. We can be confident that Christ will remain with us forever. Find daily encouragement in God's Word with Anchor Devotional. Try it out at GetAnchor.com.